how it lights my path, how it guides my way. Right, the golden calf, Exodus 32. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in the ears, in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. He took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once, for your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then, let me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses entreated the Lord his God, and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak, saying with evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and all this land of which I have spoken. I will give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he will do to his people. Amen. Let's pray for Debbie. Lord, thank you for Debbie. Thank you for all that you have put on her her heart. And we pray for her, Lord. We lift her up to you and pray that you will help her to speak and to communicate that to us today. Lord Jesus, bless her as she speaks, and may she be encouraged and uh, rejuvenated by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good afternoon, everybody. You will find on your tables at least two, most tables have two, Um, are a bit of the passage that we just read together. And so you might want to kind of give one to one half of the table, one to the other, because a little bit later, we're going to refer back especially to this bit of the passage that we've read. So hopefully you've got it. If not, you can find it in your Bibles. 
in Exodus 32. Did anyone remember that we were going through a journey in Exodus? We've had a bit of a break from it, haven't we? But we are back landing at this point of the story where Moses has been leading God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the wilderness on this incredible journey where they're learning to trust God day by day. And uh, sometimes they're doing better than others. So would we say that the story we heard today, the Israelites are doing really well and learning and growing? Or would we say that they had a bit of a bad day? On this one, what do we think? Yeah, some yeah, some down thumbs. I think it was, it was. But before we get into that, and before I share what the Lord put on my heart, I have a quiz. We love a quiz, don't we? Here at Ichthus Forest Hill. So up on the screen, in a moment, you're going to see some facial expressions. Okay, some emotions being portrayed by different faces. And round your table, you will have just a few seconds to look at the four different faces portraying one emotion. And you decide which one is not displaying that emotion. Okay, so have a look at the first one and you'll see what we mean. This one is anger. Okay, four angry faces or are they? I would like you to talk around your tables now for two, three, four, five seconds. Which one of these is not expressing anger? This is, by the way, a very scientific emotional intelligence test. So we'll see how we do on that, won't we? Okay, when your table has decided A, B, C or D... Okay, stop. So, hands up any table who thought person A is not angry. Who thinks person B? Fear, yeah, fear, exactly. And finally, this is the last one, surprise. (laughs) A, B, C or D, who is not surprised? (laughs) Okay, who thinks it's A? A lot of A's. B? Quite a few B's. C? A few C's. And D? One or two? Well, apparently, surprise is not what person A is showing. Person A is showing fear. Very good. Give yourselves a round of applause. Did anyone get all of those right? Put your hand up if you got them all right. No. Hands up if you think the test is wrong. Yeah. There you go. Interesting. Okay, there's one more little bit of this quiz, but it's shorter. I'm going to show you something different now. Not faces. I'm going to show you hands. And we're going to see if we can see what the hands are portraying. Let's see the first one. Do we think that these hands are showing anger, determination, very interesting, very good. Do you want to know what they were? So according to the people in the photos, (laughs) their hands were showing, number one, anger. That was an angry person at the table. Number two was, in fact, disgust. Yeah? And number three was indeed surprise. (laughs) But it was harder, wasn't it? That's my point. On the hands, 
No discussing anymore. No discussing now. <laughs> it was harder to tell from the hands what was going on in that person's heart, wasn't it, than it was from the faces. You all did pretty well at the faces. And generally, you will understand more about somebody and how they feel and who they are and what their intentions are and what their desires or their purposes might be by looking at their face rather than just their hands. So I just need two children to come and help me for a moment because I've got some scrolls that need unrolling. Two, two volunteers? Who have we got? Yeah, thank you, Jacob and Anastasia. All I need you to do is just take one end of the scroll each and unroll it for the first quote. It goes that way up. So you take that one and you unroll so everyone can read it. Keep going that way. That's it. And then you have to hold it up so we can see it. You're helping too, Alyssa. Thank you. Hold it up nice and flat and pull tight. What does that say, everybody? Okay, that is my first quote I want us to think about. So you can stick it up on the wall behind me with water over there while I explain it. This is actually a well-known kind of quotation. Nobody quite knows who it originated with about prayer. It says we should seek God's face and not just his hand. In other words, we should seek to know and understand and build relationship with God when we pray. Don't just go to him with a big shopping list of things that you want him to do for you. That's looking for his hand to do stuff. But come in prayer looking at his face. And I want to ask us this afternoon, how much do we really pray like this? Just have a think for a moment about your prayer life. How much do we really pray like that. And I wonder how much we think it matters whether we do or not. I'm going to ask you again in a minute so you can sit down for now. But, or someone else can do it. Thank you guys. So this story that we read together for a few minutes was about Moses changing God's mind. And it shows us, doesn't it, how a human being can be so close to God that we can feel what he feels that we can understand his character and his motives and that we can share his heart and the, his purposes for the world that we live in. And Moses could do that because as we're going to read in the next chapter of Exodus, in Exodus 33 verse 11, we will find out that it says the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just like someone can speak to their friend around the tables like we are this afternoon. And you know what? That description of Moses, it is not just a nice kind of mushy, sentimental idea that you can put on a poster and have a little picture of a kitten next to it, you know, that idea, that face-to-face -face speaking with God idea. That relationship is actually at the heart of a pivotal moment in the whole course of the history and the destiny of God's people, Israel. And therefore, it was a pivotal moment in the whole course of human history. 
as Israel's part in God's plan to save the world was going to be to bring forth the Messiah, Jesus, into the world, to bring God's Son in, to rescue the human race from the destruction of sin and hell and death. And so here at this moment in the story with Moses talking to God, God is ready, it says in the text, he's ready to actually give up on his people. He'd called them to walk with him, hadn't he? He'd called them to live by his laws and to shine out his light and his truth into the world around them. But they had turned away big time. They'd built this huge golden calf as an idol to worship. They'd followed other pathways. They'd done their own thing. They'd copied the ways of the religions and the peoples around them. And they had brought forth this golden calf to worship it and to praise it. And do you know what they even said about this golden calf? Thank you, golden calf. You are the God that rescued us from slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh. What a thing to say. After all that God had done for them, parting that Red Sea, sending the plagues on Pharaoh and the Egyptians, after all the ways that he had taken care of them in the desert, we've been thinking about it with the manna and the honey and the water from the rock, all the beautiful things that God had done, all the miracles that he'd shown them, and yet they turned away and worshipped something else. And you know, I think maybe if we are not looking at this story in quite the right way. And if we're not trying to see what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us here, sometimes we might read this encounter between God and Moses, and we might see a very kind of arrogant and patronizing picture of Moses coming through in the prayer. And we might see a very two-dimensional kind of picture of God wonder if any of you have ever read it and sort of had that thought a little bit in the back of your mind. On your passages, you'll see the verses that I've highlighted. You know, maybe we read Moses speaking in verse 11, and this is how we hear him speaking. Oh, come on, God. Why does your anger burn against your people? Don't you think you're overreacting just a little bit? Maybe, God, you could just be a bit more measured in your reaction. Why don't you try and rise above what the people have done, like I am, like I can do? You know, I'm Moses. I know what I'm talking about. And maybe we hear God responding and sort of saying, oh, yeah, well, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe I should calm down a bit. I mean, maybe I just lost my temper, let it get away from me. And then maybe we read verse 12 and we hear Moses saying, and you don't want to give those Egyptians any ammunition against you, do you? You're making yourself an easy target, God, for them to say all kinds of stuff and make fun of you and ridicule you. Come on, think about your reputation, God. You don't want them to think like that about you. And then we think God's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I don't want those lousy Egyptians making me look bad. No, perhaps I better not do what I was thinking I would do after all. And then maybe in verse 13, we hear Moses saying, and God, let me remind you, don't you remember? You did promise in the beginning to stick with these Israelites and get them through to their promised land, didn't you? And it's good to keep your word, isn't it, God? I mean, you know, I want to point that out to you. And God says, oh, yeah, 
I suppose I did say that at the beginning, yeah. In the heat of the moment, maybe I'd forgotten about it, all those promises that I'd said. But now you remind me, yeah, I suppose I should, should go through with what I said. I hope that we don't read the Bible in that way. But maybe if you're honest, sometimes when you read that story, it's a little bit how it sounds. And if we do, it's because we've got our focus in prayer and in our understanding of this conversation. The focus is on God's hands. What is he going to do? Is he going to destroy the people or is he not? Our focus is on that bit. But Moses was looking into God's face. And when we realize he was looking into God's face, we hear everything very differently. I wonder if you have ever felt the pain of making huge sacrifices for someone you love, only to have them ignore it, or belittle it, or dismiss it, or even credit somebody else with it. Anyone had that experience? It hurts. It hurts, doesn't it? It burns. And that's where I need two more volunteers to help me with my next quote. Have I got two people who come and help me unroll a scroll? Who's going to help me? Two of the children? Yeah, Anastasia, want to come? And, and Lara, come on then. Let's see what this one says. You take that and and you can unroll this way. Okay, keep going that way. Keep going till it's all the way out. And then can you hold it up? Can you read that out for me, everybody? Yeah. That's my second quote I want us to think about for a moment. Walter's going to put it up. You can help him put it up behind me. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia stories, he also wrote lots of other amazing books. And he said that, if you cut love, it bleeds anger. And that's what's happening in this story. God's anger was burning against his people whom he loved because he loved them. In those moments, they'd hurt him. They cut him so deeply in their rejection of him, in their worshipping of this golden calf. And God was ready to give up because the anger was flowing forth from that pain of love that had been damaged and rejected. But what stopped God from doing that was his friendship with Moses. And it wasn't because Moses was somehow more mature than God or because he asked him to do something to change his mind and God sort of did it. It was because Moses showed God that he was with him, even if nobody else was, that he understood him, that he shared God's pain, but that he also shared God's purpose. You see, Moses was carrying in his own heart the burdens, the very same burdens that were on God's heart. And his prayer was showing that to God. So when we look back at those verses of Moses' prayer, instead it sounds something like this. 
Verse 11. Your anger is burning, God. I know. I see it in your eyes and I feel it too. I understand and I can feel just a small bit of that pain that you must be feeling right now. And in verse 12, Moses says, And I know you, God. I know what you're like. I know that that caricature that the Egyptians might paint of you is not really you. That is not your character. That is not who you are. I know you. And in verse 13, he says, And God, I can remind you of your promises, not because you have forgotten them, but because I want you to see that I have not forgotten them either. And I am still willing to work with you and to get your will done, even in this painful situation, even through this faithless people. I'm willing to keep going with you, God. I'm willing to hold on. I'm willing to keep walking by your side if you want me. Because I know, God, that's what you truly want and that's what you're truly looking for. And you know, because Moses stood face to face with God in that moment and entered in to what God was carrying on his heart, not just for the nation of Israel in that generation, but actually for the whole of human history to come, including us sitting in this room today, God turned away from his pain. He turned away from his anger and he forgave and he continued that journey with Israel And it wasn't because he was needy and desperate for the affirmation that Moses brought him. It was because that is how God has chosen to work in the universe that he created. God has chosen to work cooperatively with people like us. Little scraps of dust, little human beings, little things, frail as we are with a short kind of lifespan and so many vulnerabilities and so many weaknesses. This God who created the whole universe decided before he made it, I am not just going to sit up in the heavens and watch things tick over and jump in when there's a crisis here or there and come if there's a disaster once or twice and show my hand and show my might and show my power. I'm not going to do it that way. God said, no, I'm going to come and walk in the very stuff of life with the people that I've created. I'm going to get shoulder to shoulder with them and get them to help me work my works in this universe, work my works in this world, get rid of the suffering, get rid of the pain, get it completely and utterly dealt with. I'm going to get them to get on board with me and work alongside me because I am a God who works with my people, who cooperates with my people, who wants to know my people. God is that kind of God and that's why this prayer was so powerful. It wasn't that Moses knew the right formula to get some great victory from the heavenly places. It was because Moses could look into the face of his God and recognize his emotion, his heart, his character, his purpose, his desires, his will, and talk to him about it and genuinely share it with him. That's the kind of God that we worship in Jesus. That's why God sent us Jesus. That's why he came as a human being, living and walking amongst us on this earth, as he did in reality, in history, 2,000 years ago. He got down from his throne in heaven, 
and walked on this earth with us because above all, he wanted to be knowable. Got one more quote I need help with. Who's going to unravel the next scroll for me? Yeah, come on, Grace. One other? Benji? hold it right up. What does that one say? Wonderful. You can put that up behind me. The creator behind this universe is not just a powerful hand, not just an energy, is not just a complex mathematical equation, not just a perfect idea out there. The creator behind this universe has a face. And the face behind this universe is what God invites us to seek so that we can know him. And he invited Moses to seek his face. And that word for Moses entreating God or seeking God's favor, as it says in some of our translations. You know, in the Hebrew, literally that word means to stroke the face. It's a beautiful word. Moses entreated God. Moses stroked God's face. As Moses prayed, as he entreated, that's how close he was allowed to get to God. So intimate. So that he could actually reach in through the burning anger and touch God's face and maybe brush away the tears that God was feeling and weeping for the faithlessness of his people and help God carry that burden. And you know, ultimately, God has revealed his face to us in Jesus so that we can feel with him and know his character and carry out his purposes with him. And you know, that's what Jesus was looking for in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and crucified. Do you remember how he asked his disciples to come with him? And to pray with him, but they couldn't do it. They wouldn't or couldn't do it. It was too much. It was overwhelming. They fell asleep. They couldn't carry that burden with him, but they were invited to by Jesus. Jesus offered his face. He bared his heart to them, but they fell asleep. And then a few minutes later, he offered his face to Judas, who kissed it. Not in friendship and solidarity, but in betrayal. And what I want to leave with you today is that all through the Bible and all through human history, right up to today, with us sitting here in this room, Jesus is inviting us to seek his face and to know him and to work with him in this world. And the kind of prayer life that reaches beyond looking for his hand to act on our behalf and do stuff for us and that seeks instead to share the burden of God's work in this world, that's the kind of prayer life that will impact history and bring in the kingdom of Jesus. So this is my very final word. I just need two more people. This is the biggest one. Okay, Anastasia and Grace, come on then.
can do the big one. You can grab that. Okay, it's big one, two lines. This is a song, some of you, a song quote, a song, song lyric, some of you might even know. Right, can you read it out starting at the top line? Yeah, can pin that one on the wall. That was a song that Graham Kendrick wrote very long time ago, before he was even famous. <laughs> I saw the world in your eyes, and it was washed by your tears, and you were calling to me to come closer and feel what you feel. And that's what I want us just to finish with today. I believe that God is looking in this room today to share some specific burdens with us. And maybe some of us, we know that already. We recognize it. Maybe you know God's putting on your heart working with children or working in the arts or seeking to help refugees or a heart for other nations in this world or something else. There's all kinds of stuff on God's heart when we start to get to know him. And some of us know that we're starting to carry that with God and see it and feel it and understand what he feels, and want to be a part of his solutions. And I just want to pray for us, that if we're willing to be those kinds of people, and pray Moses' kinds of prayers, that we'll also be part of changing the world, together with the Lord, in some of these ways. So let's just pray, and I'll hand back to Walter. Lord Jesus, some of us just need to come closer to know you. We kind of know you're out there, but we don't know you face to face. don't really know who you are. Lord, I pray for those who want to know you, Jesus. I pray you'd open your heart to us now and help us to open our hearts to you. And Lord, for those who are carrying burdens for different aspects of your work in this world, Lord, would you strengthen us? Would you help us to press in in prayer? And help us to hear what your heart is so that we know how to act and carry your heart into these different areas of our lives and the world today. Do it by your spirit, Lord. Not because we're anything, but because you love us and you want us to know you. Amen. Let your living word Let your